Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com, also on Twitter and Instagram at WGTherapy individually. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I am at Moon Lily Music on Instagram and at Roshni Lamino on Twitter. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Libby Ward. She is a writer, a kid's book author, a magician, an illustrator. And I'm sure there's many more because you wear a bazillion hats, it seems. Libby, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. What yeah, can you do it? Can, can you do a magic trick? <laughs> Wait, it's an audio podcast. Never mind. A vocal magic trick. makes it much less impressive. <laughs> and all under the banner of Sneaky Varmint. So let's start with that. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, if you want to find me anywhere on the internet uh, at Sneaky Varmint, we'll find all kinds of things. Basically, there's a, I have a real affinity for the Muppets. I'm a big Muppet fan. They're sort of my Henson and, and his incredible team is my original inspiration for being in entertainment and doing silly things and for all of the hyphenates you mentioned, really. And in many of the Muppet movies, there are a lot of uh, random weasels critters monsters etc and most of them do the little it's sad because i can't show you but imagine my hand is a little puppet hand and it's like running 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 and then it goes and then hiding and uh i don't think henson ever specifically named it that but i always think of those as sneaky varmints and so many years ago i adopted that handle that is awesome Yeah. And you have always been working with um, children's uh, projects. You've worked for Cartoon Network. Um, you have your, your book. Um, have, has children's projects always been something you've been attracted to? You know, I have worked on a lot of children's projects, and frequently it's kind of by accident because family is sort of more where I feel like I land. Uh, I really like doing adult stuff, but animation and puppet fun are my favorite media because especially with animation uh, and you know with the book with illustration if you are creating something cartoony then you have the opportunity to give a voice to anyone or anything so critters objects you know the luchador mice get to have their own personalities and tell their story and fulfill their destinies and so even though it's not children's projects specifically that I'm drawn to, I'm drawn to the limitlessness of those worlds. And frequently that falls into a family property or family vibe. Speaking of Luchador Mice, your new book, perfect segue. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what was the inspiration? And I understand you also illustrated it. So what was the process like of writing it, illustrating it, all that stuff? Yeah. So I frequently, and thankfully, and I'm sure you guys get this too, get, uh, you know, go into a, a meeting to pitch something, 
And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we already have a monster thing or we already have a space thing. But like, could you pitch us something toyetic? Could you pitch us something, uh, you know, that uh, speaks to your family story? And so I was sort of wandering around town thinking of things, <laughs> you know, trying to think of things to pitch to these same same groups of people who didn't buy what I already had pitched them. And I happened to be actually in front of Iguana Clothing on Hollywood Boulevard. And in the window, they have luchador masks. And I spotted this little mouse. This was in the middle of the night. Everything was closed. This little mouse in the window amongst the luchador masks. And as I mentioned, I sort of feel like everything deserves to fulfill its destiny. So I immediately just presumed that she, uh, she ended up being Tormenta in the book, that this mouse was a luchadora and started building a story around her and just started kind of going like snowballing into a lot of fun about these different characters and who they could be and what their uh, masks looked like and that, that sort of thing. So I started developing it as an animated show, which I would still love to make. And just the theme song kind of poured out of me in Spanglish. My family mostly is from Tucson, but we've lived all up and down the West Coast of North America. My dad spent some time in Mazatlan as a kid. And uh, so it kind of just poured out in Spanglish. And the property got optioned and the option expired. <laughs> and I went, well, I spent all this time, uh, you know, making these luchador mice my family, and I don't want it to just sit on my computer forever, but the theme song was already very Susie in its meter, and so I decided to just write the book and put it out into the world so people can enjoy what I've already built, and maybe it'll continue to expand. Oh, that's so cool. So this was actually from a pitch. Yeah, it started. it started as a pitch. So you illustrated uh, Luchador Mice yourself, right? I did. I, in my animation background, I've done uh, a fair amount of, of art and animating, although it's not my primary thing now. But something else that was important to me in creating it, you know, as, as, the, uh, as God lording over this particular project and the nice thing about uh, getting lots of opinions and lots of notes from people I trust but not being beholden to anyone's opinion is I really wanted it to be illustrated with crayon and I think it turns out to be especially pretty even with the way they printed it because the texture of the ink after using the crayon even feels like crayon in the book and I tried really hard to make it easy on myself by creating a digital crayon in Photoshop and failed to get the look that I wanted so what I actually ended up doing was creating uh, basically three different coloring books for myself, a background, mid-ground, and foreground, coloring it with actual crayons. I had all my little crayons lined up in shot glasses for the colors that corresponded to the various characters, and uh, sat at my kitchen table and colored it all with crayon, scanned it back in, layered it back up in Photoshop, and it was a an awful lot of work, but I think it's totally worth it for how nicely the result turned out. And as most kids or adults even will do, they tend to color in their own books anyway. And so I actually, in the hardcover version, there's a whole blank page with a little uh, Este Libro Belongs to Lucha Libre Legend 
so that you can choose your own Lucha Libre name and draw your own Luchador Luchadora. Oh, that's really cool. So it's, yeah. it's almost interactive. It's a little interactive. Wow. And so are you self-published on this? Yeah. Oh, let's, you know, let's talk about that process too. Yeah, it's a, it continues to be a, a large learning curve, but I have several friends who are published through a variety of publishers and they get about 10% of the net, which as you know, the net is already <laughs> much smaller than the gross because there are a lot of expenses, particularly with publishing companies when you add in uh, administrative fees and marketing fees and keeping the lights on. And so I decided to sort of delve into a self-publishing option to try to both both have full control over the book. Like there, I did pitch it um, to some publishers, but a lot of people wanted it to be either in Spanish or in English. And the fact that it's in Spanglish is maybe the most important element of it to me. So I didn't want to lose that. So I tried the Amazon route. This is a you know, good information for anybody else who's on this journey. And Amazon does a crap job with picture books, I think. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of proofs and every proof uh, looked different in the, uh, the color was different. Some of them were cut differently where they would bind the center and you know, smush everybody's faces or cut off the edges and cut off words in the book. And so even though I started with an Amazon self-publishing route, and I've had some friends who have, you know, prose mystery books or, or saucy love stories that are published through Amazon and do very well for picture books, they are not uh, well suited for that. So I I ended up looking at a, a variety of different printers and trying to find an option to print them inexpensively enough that I could afford to wholesale them and at least break even. Um, I'm not really honestly sure if at the end of the day I'm currently making more than 10% anyway, but now I have the relationships with printers and sellers and uh the knowledge of the process and the layout and, and I don't answer to anybody, which is really nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to some of your more um, uh, adults work, not to say you do adult work, uh, before we get to uh, some of your uh, more general work, you uh, wrote for Be Cool Scooby-Doo uh, for the, is that the Cartoon Network? Yeah. Now that's pretty cool. How did that come about? Well, that's one of my favorites. And, and ultimately, that was sort of a, you know, friend of a friend of a friend um, through my Second City family. And uh, as you know, I'm sure this is also true for a lot of people, you can send out a million emails, letters, etc. But almost all of my jobs have ended up coming from people I've worked with in the past or, you know, uh, gone to space with on the Second City stage or <laughs> similar. So uh, it was just somebody was looking for be cool writers and some of my Second City family members knew that I am an insane animation enthusiast and uh, connected us. And so that ended up being super fun. Great. Do you do you have aspirations to work for the Muppets for Jim Henson? 
Uh, you know, I did actually work for Jim Henson as uh, an assistant for when Christine Belson was the VP of pictures. And it was the same year I'm struggling. It was either 99 or 2000, but it was the same year they bought the Charlie Chaplin studios at Sunset and La Brea. And it was actually, I had been rejected from a couple of jobs in previous years and it ended up being perfect timing because of that big party. I got to meet Kermit the Frog and Gonzo and Sweetums and Pepe. We had this huge party. We raised the Kermit Charlie Chaplin statue and we all sang Menomina in the street. Uh, I got to work for Brian Henson. I got to work with Ed Eith, who's a production designer. You might know his work also from Flight of the Navigator. Uh, cool. Just lots of, just like, I really lucked into a really cool time at Henson. And I would definitely love to work with them again. There have been many, many corporate rearranging, restructuring, Disney-ing moments there. But um, but I am I continue to be friends with a lot of Hensony people and uh, really enthusiastic about working with them again when we come to the right moment or the right project that is is suited to my particular weirdness. Libby, you have just fulfilled like all my childhood dreams right there. That is so amazing. Okay. <laughs> Meeting the Kermit the Frog and Gonzo were like huge, yeah, huge moments in my life. Oh my word, that is so cool. Okay, this has nothing to do with the Muppets, but just a little bit of a, it made me laugh when I saw it on your IMDb. Sex sent me to the ER and I still didn't know I was pregnant. I remember auditioning for those shows. Well, the, the I didn't know I was pregnant, not the I still didn't know. What was it like working on those? Because those stories were always wild. Yeah. Did you do any episodes? Um, I had friends who were on those. I did not, unfortunately, make it on there. I did make it on A Thousand Ways to Die, which is a similar vein. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I like to talk about this, but I try not to, you know, disillusion too many people by bursting the Hollywood bubble. But spoiler there... alert, don't listen, guys, if you like this. <laughs> right here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> But uh, a, a lot of inventiveness went into those shows, uh, into those episodes. There are there are a few things that happen the way they say they happened. Uh, but it's just like if you play the game telephone or you hear a story from your grandparents, uh, they are heavily embellished for fun and television, um, but very fun to work on. I was the supervising writer on many episodes and spent an excessive amount of time in my office trying to come up with synonyms for penis, synonyms for, you know, other ways to say oral sex, <laughs> other ways to say, you know, to allude to the male nipple. That was one of the ones where I actually pulled my, you know, group of comedy friends and said, everybody tell me your various uh, words for male nipple we got like chest pepperoni and joy buzzers and oh boy <laughs> because the show you know isn't meant to be although it is on the learning channel and it is meant to to teach a lesson which i think is pretty funny but um but the camp of it is really important and was really fun for me cool Jeez, you're just like an, uh, like when I categorize this interview on the website, it's going to be all of the above. So you're also a podcaster. Yeah, I have, uh, I also have an interview podcast. I've sort of let my podcast go a little bit by the wayside and I have to apologize to my listeners for that. 
Uh, Occupassionate is my primary podcast where I interview people who are passionate about their occupations. And that one came about and uh, will continue as soon as I sort of get my act back together. Uh, Because I feel like, especially when I was really little, and even more so for our parents' generations, they say you can be a nurse or a firefighter or, you know, a a teacher. (laughs) They don't give you career options like being a puppeteer or being a, a perfume scent creator or being a garbage man, even. And all of those many, many different jobs have a wide variety of pros and cons. Like, for instance, um, I, I have coming up an interview with a garbage collector who loves their job. You know, it's, it's a job that is for them and it's not for me, but they make good money. They have regular hours. They leave their work at, at work. They don't take it with them like I definitely do every day or like, um, the rabbi I interviewed or the train man I interviewed, those are some of my favorites. It's just, uh, it's so interesting to really know what the pros and the cons of the job are because I think that, uh, and even with Luchador Mice, tying it back to my book, I, I like to say, uh, busca tus sueños, um, seek your dreams instead of follow them because I feel like people's dreams are sort of out there and available and perfectly suited to them and they just need to get all the information to know where they beautifully fit. So I'd be curious, because I know your primary focus is writing, and of course, we're still in the middle of this never-ending pandemic. How has it affected your writing career? I mean, obviously, you can work from home, but I mean, you know, networking and stuff like that. that Luckily for me, because I'm in animation, which, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that I really love about animation, speaking of a beautiful fit. I, I mentioned the limitlessness of the worlds, but also I personally do not like being on set. There, you know, Occasionally, if there's a short film that I'm producing and directing and we can get it done in a day, it's very fun. But generally, like I've worked you know, as a PA and an um, AD and some other random, random runner around jobs. And I just feel like it's incredibly tedious. But with animation, another reason it's a really good fit for me is because everybody can go sit at their own desk and do their bit of the job. And then we can all convene for a meeting where we laugh at how hilarious the work they did just was or enjoy a table read. And uh, actually, um, because animation can be done individually and lots of people can work from home, a lot of my projects are still going. So I have a new one that's launching with Hyper Hippo called The Great Adventure, which is sort of a fun um, fun mini episode series between uh, an adventure capitalist and an adventure communist and a Ms. Independent, who's the uh, kind of undecided voter, and these two dorks, ideologues, trying to one-up one another to get Indy to be swayed to their ideology. And we just had uh, an animation meeting right before I joined you for this podcast, and we get to have a table read tomorrow via Google Hangouts, I think. Um, and table read uh, my very, very, very timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was their plan for this particular launch moment. So and where's that going to be? 
Uh, it's li- it's basically a social media blitz, ah. I think. So it will have its own uh, designated YouTube channel, but the mini-sodes, I think, are meant to be launched on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I don't, I wow. don't know. I don't know all the things that that everybody's using because I can. That, only- is, that is very different, you know. Planning to launch something on social media that's scripted and animated like that—that's. Is this the? I mean, I don't know if I've heard of anything like that really, besides individual artists like you know, like Simon's Cat or something like that that mm-hmm. put their cartoons on those to have like a multi you know, a whole production with cast and, you know, animation seems really unique. Have you seen more of this um, for social media, you know, short form video production, like full scale production happening? It's kind of the first thing I've ever seen like that, I guess, you know, where it's a, a whole team developing for a like TikTok kind of platform. Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's so much technology available and Frankly, I'm always trying to navigate it myself that you already see all these companies launching their own streaming platforms. And then, of course, there's uh, Quibi. Is it called Quibi? Yeah. It's like short content that's intended for social media. And because it's all kind of experimental, I think everybody's just, uh, you know, taking their inspiration and then hanging out with a marketing team and trying to see how those pieces fit together for best results. So I haven't seen this specific thing before, but I know that our inspiration or Hyper Hippo's inspiration in um, certainly in bringing myself and my co-story editor, Tim Hunter, in to sort of develop and create this project with them was to draw on the existing worlds of their games, Adventure Capitalist and Adventure Communist. And from their marketing team's perspective, try to grab grab people's eyes as they're scrolling their feeds, which I feel like I'm a particularly petulant um, consumer or or non-consumer rather. Like if I feel like I'm I'm being targeted by marketing then i'm extra mad at your company and and ignore it with with full force but uh i think it's just the combination like i said of the available technology and the world they created and and we're still sort of massaging into a best fit but we'll have 30 mini episodes out uh before the end of 2020 and then fingers crossed we sort of learn all the pros and cons of that and get to make 30 more episodes in 2021. That is awesome. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that there's still work out there. <laughs> you, you go, Libby. That's awesome. Leave yeah. it there. But animation's a great place to be right now, honestly, because it's kind of like really the only thing people can do. So, Yeah, it's, I'm incredibly fortunate. Uh, I have a lot of friends in animation i mean it's you know it's my world so it's incredibly lucky that we all still have projects moving along and it's a great time i mean i always feel this when i don't have work pandemic or not pandemic sometimes i'm just my thing ended and i'm out of work it's a great time to go nuts on your own projects it's a great time to take your pitch property and make a book or make a song or make a web series at home or, you know, any of those things. Well, you're obviously proof that it can actually turn into something real. So that's great. Yeah. You're, a, you're an inspiration. 
Well, thank you so much. It's certainly, certainly not easy, but it's um, especially nice to be able to hold it in your hand and flip the pages and share it with people. So Libby, if people want to find you online or find Luchador Mice online, where can they go? So they can find Luchador Mice at Luchador Mice on uh, Instagram or Facebook or luchadormice.com to purchase. In fact, if you do a luchadormice.com backslash neighbors, there's a 20% discount, which uh, actually just amounts to me paying your taxes and shipping for you. And I will sign a copy and send it to you for the same rate as the Amazon Prime will send it to you without my signature. So if you, if my signature is interesting to you, I would love to draw you something or autograph for you and send it to you myself if you purchase it through the website directly. Very cool. And how can they find you personally? And to find me, I'm at sneakyvarmint.com, V-A-R-M-I-N-T. I think a lot of people leave the, leave the letter N out, but I'm very easy to find if it's spelled correctly. And then across all the, all the usual social media platforms, uh, definitely Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Wonderful. All thank right. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Libby. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, good luck with the book and all your other projects, and we'll uh, see you online. Thank you so much. <laughs>